wonderful video. Those actually have to be my three favorite Christmas songs, Oh Holy Night. And that was a, a wonderful rendition. I feel like you almost need to be an opera singer to do that song. Well, Come All You Faithful, which I learned on Sunday, was written by Steve. <laughs> I have no idea. Let Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Glad to see you all this evening. Uh, saw on Facebook, a, I think an important reminder about Christmas Eve that in the movie Home Alone, Kevin had been left by his family. He knew his home was about to get robbed. Yet he still made it to church on Christmas Eve, so everyone has time. <laughs> we'll be in the Gospel of Matthew this evening. I invite you to turn there. Also heard that uh, Brandy made it safely down to Rwanda, so she's with Jeff, so praising the Lord just for her safe travels down there. And, uh, continue to please pray for, for her time down there with Jeff. She's going to be down there for almost a month. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this Christmas season. Lord, and on this Christmas Eve, we remember what it signifies. You coming into our world, coming to be with us so that we could be with you. And for that, we praise you, Lord. I pray for our time this evening. I pray for our time in your word. I pray for our time of worship. Lord, I pray for time with family um, tonight and tomorrow and over the coming days for people. And that that can be a blessing and be enriching. Lord, I also pray for people who at Christmas time, for various reasons, it could be a difficult time. Maybe it's the anniversary of the loss of a loved one or a really difficult time. And Lord, I pray for your nearness to those people as well this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. For the last several weeks, we've been studying passages from the book of Isaiah, which have included a famous verse that is later quoted in our passage this morning in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew 1.23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. We'll get to that in a few moments, but as we begin this evening, I want to look at this passage and how the Apostle Matthew describes the events surrounding the birth of our Lord, and uh, with that, we'll take a look at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph... Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Matthew opens this section by telling us that he's recording the earthly origin of Jesus. There are two books 
and the Bible that talk about the birth of Jesus, the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. Both Matthew and Luke talk about the virgin conception, but Luke goes into more detail. Luke talks of the angel presenting what's about to happen to Mary, and that entire account is absent from Matthew's Gospel. Because Matthew's account largely revolves around Joseph's response. We see that at the beginning, uh, going back to verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Mary and Joseph were betrothed in this time and place. Betrothal was a stage in the marriage process. Betrothal was not marriage. Mary would still have been living with her family. The marriage would not yet have been consummated. But betrothal also carried more weight than a simple engagement like we would have today in our society. You couldn't simply break off a betrothal. It was a binding commitment to marry someone. Really, there's nothing in our society in America that quite captures the essence of what a first century betrothal was. Culturally, Mary was very young, probably not much older than 12 to 14 years old. Likely it was an arranged marriage, and it's even possible that she didn't necessarily even know Joseph very well. Yet, while Mary was betrothed, she finds out that she's pregnant, and it's a child that's been conceived by the Holy Spirit. We know the story. But just think for a moment from Mary's perspective, what a just astounding and incredible piece of information to find out. And then from Joseph's perspective, it certainly would have initially appeared that Mary had been unfaithful. Surely that would be the obvious assumption. And our passage, verse 19, tells us that Joseph was unwilling to put Mary to shame and that he had resolved to divorce her quietly. There's this, there's this thing called the, in Jewish culture called the Mishnah. Those were basically teachings and Jewish biblical interpretations. They weren't quite on the same level as Scripture and their authority, but the teachings of the Mishnah were very influential in the Jewish society. And it was forbidden in the Mishnah for Joseph to marry an adulteress. It's also a capital offense in Old Testament law. So it's a very serious situation. Yet Joseph wants to try to preserve Mary's honor. Verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The angel says to Joseph, among other things, that Jesus will save his people from their sins. And Joseph is called to name this baby Jesus, which literally means the Lord saves. That is the type of ministry that Jesus was coming into the world to have. That this baby, not yet born, 
would have in the world. And once again, we know the story. We know what happens. So it's easy for it to all be commonplace to us. But again, that would have been radical in the time in the first century. If you've been a Christian or been in church for any length of time, it's not a new idea that Jesus saves people from their sin. But in the first century, that was not the general expectation of the Jewish people. They expected a king. They expected a political leader. They expected a grand Pharisee. Jesus came at a time when the Israelites, the Jewish people, were persecuted under the Roman Empire, and there was dissent and dissatisfaction. But Jesus didn't primarily come to save people from the oppression of governments. He saves people from sin. He saves people spiritually. And he does that for everyone who comes to him in faith. The message of the gospel is the power of God for salvation. That we have sinned, that the relationship with God has been broken, and that there is nothing that we can do on our own to restore that relationship with a holy God. We contribute nothing to our own salvation. Our good deeds count for nothing because of our sin. The only works that save are the works of Christ. Matthew continues, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So Joseph obeys what the angel directs him to do. After the time of the birth of Jesus, Joseph and Mary went on, presumably, to have a normal marriage. Joseph takes Jesus as his own son. But the main thing I want to focus on this evening, after that little bit of background, is the virgin birth and that Jesus is Emmanuel. With the virgin birth, it's a puzzling mystery. For many, it's a stumbling block. It's confounding because it's impossible. A virgin cannot conceive a child. Yet, it is at the very beginning of the gospel message, fundamental to the story of how Jesus came into the world. Some like to look at it as if it's just some story that gets told. But it's important to the overall story of the gospel. It's important to our belief in what God can do. And it's important to who Jesus is. I love the story of the virgin conception of Jesus because, among many things, it shows us that we could not have made our own Savior. It required divine intervention. Without God's hand in the process, it could not have happened. Again, there are those who argue it's impossible. I'll grant that it's unusual. But with God, all things are possible. How does a virgin get pregnant? How does a dead man live again? If you can believe that Jesus can die and be raised, 
then surely he's capable of being conceived by the Holy Spirit. Furthermore, if you believe that God can create an entire universe by the power of his word, then of course he can cause a pregnancy. It's ironic that some demand a naturalistic explanation for how a virgin conception can occur, yet can accept a belief that a universe came from nowhere. The virgin birth of Jesus matters because in it, the beginning and end of his life are bookended by the miraculous. Jesus' birth, his death, his resurrection, and everything in between represents a divine, heavenly ministry on earth. The virgin birth is the beginning of the story of Jesus on earth. But if we can't accept that miracle, if we can't believe that, how do we progress any further? For it was a ministry where Jesus fed multitudes, walked on water, calmed storms, healed the sick, and rose from the dead. The virgin birth matters because in it, we see the two natures of Christ, human and divine. It matters that Jesus is God because, because he is God, he is worthy to die for our sins. If he had been merely human, he would not have been able to pay such a price. Yet, because he is also human, Jesus is able to be our substitute and representative. In his incarnation, we, be, we begin to see his two natures. That he's not just an ordinary man, that he's both God and man. Fully God and fully man. He's not a God who came down in the clouds in glory. But rather, he is the all-powerful Lord of creation who came to us as a baby. The second thing I want to focus on is that Jesus is Emmanuel. We've talked about this several times over the last few weeks as we've been in Isaiah. The name Emmanuel means God with us, and Jesus is God with us, literally. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Part of the significance is that Jesus comes to fulfill what had been foretold about him. He is the God who is with us, who was born of a virgin. He fulfills that and hundreds of other prophecies about his life, his death, his ministry. In that we see that Jesus did not come from nowhere for no reason. It was always the divine plan that he would come with us. Through the struggles and challenges of life, there can be times where God seems far off and distant. Times when it can feel like our prayers are just hitting the ceiling. But at Christmas, it should be a reminder of the personal God who came into the world. God became one of us so that we could be with him. He is a personal God. And it doesn't get more personal than Jesus entering creation. Sometimes it can be tempting to doubt if God really knows what we're going through, what we're struggling with. It can be tempting to wonder if God really cares. But he does care. And he knows. He knows what it's like to live in a sinful world. 
He knows what it's like to have people oppose him and not like him. He knows what it's like to be hated for no reason. He knows what it's like to cry. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to suffer and to feel pain. And he knows what it's like to face injustice and evil. He knows. It can be easy to focus on Christ's glory and divinity to the point where we forget his humanity. Sometimes God can seem distant. But he's a personal God who invites us to know him. He joined us in our humanity. He came to earth so we could go to heaven. He died so that we could have life. He was forsaken so that we could become children of God. We could not have made our own savior. We could not have made our own way to God. And may his incarnation, may his coming into the world be a reminder of that. Because the baby that was born in a manger, when he grew up, would lay down his life to forgive sins. It's why he came. It was the purpose of his ministry. Reconciling sinners to God. Jesus is God with us. Many people in our society like to believe that Jesus was just a really good teacher who had a lot of really good moral ideas. But this passage says that he was miraculously conceived of the Holy Spirit. And that he's the God who's with us and came to save us. The baby who was born, his primary purpose was not to come into the world and tell us to be good. It was to die because we weren't. So we come together on Christmas Eve to remember that once upon a time, in the little town of Bethlehem, a young woman had a baby who would change the course of human history. Emmanuel, God with us. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you came into our world, that the Word became flesh. Lord, that you humbled yourself, that you lived the life that we could not live and died the death that we deserved so that we could be with you. And may we trust in you. Lord, for all of us, may the gospel resonate in us. May we believe in that and walk in faith. Lord, that we are sinners that we cannot make ourselves right, that we cannot make our own sinner, but you offer a way, Lord, through believing in you, through trusting in you, that you are a gracious and forgiving God. May we praise you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.